This is a certified Big Soy Naturals classic. I have a I look like Jared Padalecki. I got them supernaturals. So my value right now is zero. If you think about it, AI is actually the fastest path to communism. When I smoke the blue and I smoke the purple, smoking on the blunt because I want to run. It's all so adorable, but you can't have it. When I hit the blunt, it's a pick and cut. Enforced farming is really not a vibe. Circa 2007. The long-predicted convergence of the media, computing, and telecommunications into hypermedia is finally happening. Once again, capitalism's relentless drive to diversify and intensify the creative powers of content creator labor is on the verge of qualitatively transforming the way we work, play, and live together. By integrating different technologies around common protocols, Something is being created, which is more than the sum of its parts. When the ability to produce and receive unlimited amounts of information in any form is combined with the reach of the global telephone networks, existing forms of work and leisure can be fundamentally transformed. At such moments of profound social change, anyone who can offer a simple explanation of what is happening will be listened to with great interest. At this critical juncture, a loose alliance of writers, hackers, capitalists, and artists have succeeded in defining a heterogeneous orthodoxy for the coming age. Nerd Fighteria. <laughs> Welcome to Big Soy Naturals. I'm Kendall, your USB rat king and your chief officer of cringe. Hi, um, my name is Cerise. <laughs> I was recently <laughs> fired from my job as uh, chief of uh, no. racial equity at SpaceX. Uh, no. <laughs> Elon heard what I had to say about Grimes' climate change exhibit, and he didn't like it. So I don't have a job anymore. It's really sad. Um, but if you know anyone that is hiring, uh, you should let them know that I am a former showrunner at Quibi, and I'm looking to do more short-form content that you can only view on your phone in the future. Let me know if you've heard of anything like that. If you would also like to support Cerise's unemployment fund, please donate to our Patreon at Big Soy Naturals. <laughs> yeah, we've got a stretch goal going called uh, Cerise's Lip Injections, which is the amount that my lip injections cost um you know it's it's been a few months it's time for me to get those those babies puffed up again um you know i, I it's just like we're living in a world of, of beauty standards and i'm conforming to them talk to kylie jenner about it not me oh <laughs> uh, folks i believe we have a problem in society and it's that we've forgotten to be awesome um <laughs> indeed we have the amount of suck in the world is it's just too much there's too much suck and we need to decrease it by remembering to be awesome yeah gotta decrease that world suck that's why Ken's starting the foundation <laughs> 
called the Foundation to Increase Dick Suck. <laughs> uh, if you sign up today by pledging your support and promising to suck a dick whenever you see one, the amount of suck in the world uh, conversely will actually go down uh, if you if you suck a little bit more. And Just- the amount of awesome in the world will be uh, remembered in greater amounts. It, it's just, you know, it's trickle-down economics. <laughs> By trickle-down, I mean gum. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to be talking all about trickle-down economics today, uh, much like our, you know, spiritual, mm, I guess, founder, I would, I would say, Adam mm-hmm. Smith. Uh, the father of capitalism. <laughs> We're just like big believers in a regulated market. And that's kind of what today's episode is all about. We're going to be talking about the market. We're going to be talking about uh, capital. We're going to be talking about failed systems such as communism and why they don't work. And why instead, in fact, even though it's kind of hard to wrap your head around it, but it benefits starving orphans with diarrhea (laughs) as hank green might say when more people build yachts the orphans with ibs need (laughs) rich people to have yachts or else society will collapse you know i think I, i think that's just uh it's a really important issue that we all should you know join in on um in increase increase our philanthropy you know just as hank green and john green would have wanted um folks today we are uh challenging uh hank green to a pissing contest outside the convention center <laughs> in anaheim we're going to ask john green how it tastes we're going to go through their entire history we're going to summarize it here for you now um and we're going to try to be as entertaining as possible while we do it and we will not be concise. I am so tired no. of people asking us why our episodes are so long. We have ADHD. We, we are, are valid. Valid. <laughs> we are valid. And you know what? Here's the thing. If you're committed to to us and to hot people across the world, you'll listen to everything we have to say. I just, I really don't understand at this point why you don't understand. Like, we are... We're the best communists online. We're the only communists online, the only true communists. And if you don't listen to us- We're decreasing the amount of suck in the world by encouraging more people to suck. If you get your dick sucked this week, we did that. Not literally, but we did do that. We made that happen. Okay, folks. Um, So if you're wondering what the fuck we're talking about, um, because as as we've said before, we we go through and become permanently logged on so you don't have to. Um, You're wondering who who the fuck are these guys? Who's Hank and John Green? Who are these these brothers in arms that they keep mentioning? Well, um, they are unfortunate. I would I would describe Hank and John Green as like, what if Stephanie Meyer voted for Obama? I wouldn't say that's inaccurate at all. I mean, they, they're they basically um, the kings of the internet, the kings of YouTube. Um, 
just like they they really um solidified uh i think a, a lot of early 2013 language um and like specifically internet speak online if you've ever read a post um on like a twitter thread that's like buckle up frick fracks let me tell you about the east india company and how it relates to your venti matcha frap like um <laughs> that that uh, all came um from people like hank and john green and um mm-hmm. their own creations uh <laughs> yeah Hank and John Green are unfortunately for us and for themselves mm-hmm. brothers. Uh, kind of like the guys from Supernatural. But unlike the guys from Supernatural, instead of solving mysteries, crimes, don't know what they do in that show, they are constantly making the Jim Halpert face. They talk in the buckle up frick frack dialect to an audience of primarily teenage girls, but like normal, not weird. Uh, This audience, unfortunately for us, has given them an inflated sense of self-importance. One that led them to think that not only were their nebulously outlined social beliefs one that should be widely spread and adopted, but also that they should become premier voices on many topics far outside the realm of young adult literature such as science, history, and really like any current political events. I think at this point, John might be like less well-loved and known than yeah. Hank, which is really interesting because this all came from, from John. But Hank has a pretty massive presence on TikTok. I could have looked this up and I didn't. I looked up so many other things. I feel like John has not put out a book in ages. I don't know if that's true or not, but in my notes, I just wrote, John hasn't put out a book in ages. John has anxiety. <laughs> um, I, I believe, I know that Hank put out um, several books recently. Um, John Green did just put out a book more recently called um, The Anthropocene Reviewed. Um, Wait, is that like Grimes? Like I, album, like, I'm I'm currently recently. unfortunately headed to Amazon to see the, the, the summary. Um blah blah blah. Oh my god. Is it it's yeah. um the Anthropocene is the current geological age in which humans have profoundly reshaped the planets and its biodiversity. In this remarkable symphony of essays and adapted and expanded from his groundbreaking podcast. Okay, didn't know about the podcast. Uh, best-selling author John Green reviews different facets of the human-centered planet on a five-star scale from the QWERTY keyboard and sunsets to Canada geese and penguins of Madagascar. Um, so considering these are just like crib notes from his podcast, I would say yes, he hasn't published a book in ages because this is... Yeah, he's not writing books. He's um, got anxiety. You know, at a certain point, I think... Um, and we'll we'll, but that we'll might be for the this. best. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, if we summar- need more we'll, books. we'll summarize this more as we go on. But I think the main consensus here is, uh, like, as as you go on, you'll note will you'll notice, dear listener, that um, John never really wanted to be famous, and I think that's part of the reason you see him kind of disappearing um, in the current state of things. Um, also, because I think his. Uh, more recent, more recently, the um, some of his infamous Tumblr copy pastas have uh, resurfaced, especially on TikTok. 
and I just think he's he's absolutely no hope of of making a an imprint on that website without people going cock is one of my favorite tastes. Um, yeah, I would say that John Green is kind of like the Sonny Corleone, um, like in The Godfather, and Hank is more of the Michael. <laughs> Uh, where, you know, Sunny does yeah. come first, I think. It's been a while since I've seen The Godfather, but I'm pretty sure Sunny comes first. You'd think that he's going to be The Godfather. You know, it, it all starts with him. But then slowly, like, Michael is the one who rises to that, that level of success and prominence that only someone ruthless and heartless and conniving can do. And that, that's Hank. I think Hank is really the real villain in this story, but they they are both villains, and Hank's villainy would not be allowed to exist were it not for John Green's fame as a young mm. adult novelist. The quote that we quoted in the beginning is like kind of the Californian ideology that I changed some words up around in, and it kind of reminds me of how we have to always bring it back to Boston when we're talking about worst states or worst cities in the United States. Because for all of the things that we can say about San Francisco, and we can say many things, or LA, or Portland, you know, other places that are now like bastions of like neoliberalism, um, we wouldn't have any of that if it were not for Boston, the, the birthplace of the United States and also still the home of Harvard. Similarly, we wouldn't have Hank Green. We wouldn't have VidCon. We wouldn't have Nerdfighteria or Shane Dawson, maybe. Were it not for John Green, it all comes back to this man and his insatiable desire to be like the cool guy that the girls like. unlike the the nerd that I guess he was in high school. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if we want to get back to... He's got classic unpopularity. Yeah, and I mean, if we're, if we're talking about them as a unit, um, in, in the Catholic sense, I think you could relate to them as like Cain and Abel. Um, yeah, Ooh. but instead of like one smashing the other in the head with a rock, uh, one just kind of politely fades into the background while another creates... Um, 18 to 20 different nonprofits and signs like diff like 21 like hundred uh, different 501c3s. Um, yeah, someone with one nonprofit absolutely yeah. evil. Someone with like five to ten an irredeemable human being. Also, anyone that's making TikToks as a grown adult man, sir. Go straight to hell. HRH collection was right. <laughs> I'm not insinuating. I'm not insinuating anything. I'm not saying that he's like predatory or creepy no. for doing that. It's just like you you just shouldn't be making them. If anything, like why are you on your phone all day? Go we'll start hunt. a war. Um. <laughs> I, I don't want him to start a war, but he should learn how to change the oil on someone's yeah. car. 
You should be doing man Chopping stuff. Chopping some wood. Making TikToks is not men stuff. Yeah. I miss when men were men. I also miss when men were men. HRH Collection, um, you know, the patron saint of this podcast is right. Why are men on TikTok? It's suspicious that men are on TikTok. Mm-hmm. If you're a man and you're on TikTok, go yeah. outside. They're looking at videos yeah. all day. Looking at videos all day, like you trying to see a little e boy. Yeah, you trying to look at some e boy's smooth painted chest as he thrusts into his phone, pretending it's your fucking bussy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go, go outside, chop some yeah. wood. I don't want to smoke. I just want to smoke. I don't want to smoke. I just want to smoke. We've got our two main characters, Hank and John mm-hmm. Green. They started yeah. it all. It begins uh, with John Green putting out Looking for Alaska sometime in the early 2000s. Again, with all of the research that we did for this, I did not look up any information about Here's this man's thing. books. So I forget when Looking for Alaska came out, but it did come out in the I, early 2000s. I can, I can make a, a, a confession and say that I have read most of his books. Um, So I can tell you from experience, almost all of them can be summarized as thus. Boy finds Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Manic Pixie Dream Girl is unattainable, then becomes attainable. Turns out she's mentally ill, and so is the boy. Mental illness makes girl go, no, stay away from me. And then the final book that he wrote, is it hers? Yeah, this this is this would be looking for a last. Well, no, whose whose mental illness makes her want oh, to Oh, usually her. Away? Is it is it hers? Usually hers. hers. Okay. Um she, he finds himself usually. Is it like does she have like one of the scary ones like BPD or bipolar no, or something always, and then he's got like anxiety He's got anxiety or depression. or depression. She's always kind of ambiguous where it's just like she might have depression but it's like worse. And, like, she's different and mysterious. And she just is like, I'm too much. And I have too many issues. And um, I'm not the the beautiful, mysterious girl you think I am. I'm actually mentally ill. Go away. Because I feel like like manic pixie behavior is very, like, BPD Yeah, coded. I would say that, like, it... Um, but I've been on a on a BPD kick lately. I've been reading I mean, the Bible, and I feel like God. Quite a also few of them BPD. are about travel, traveling to Alaska, traveling all over the U.S. So I and you know that's a very BPD coded thing. It's traveling. Wait, looking for Alaska is not about traveling to Alaska. You have not read I the have. book. No, I mean, Alaska is a person. The thing is, is that he he did like go on a ten day trip to Alaska, and that's like kind of what the book is based on. Yes, when he was. No, I thought Alaska she is was a, person. a person. I haven't read. She the is book. a person, but I'm he's like, you. but he like, went, like in his twenties, he did like John Green did go on like a trip to Alaska for like ten days, and it is like credited. So he did look yes. for Alaska. So he did. It is credited as part of the inspiration for soon. the book. So like, that's more what I mean in sense of like a lot of the books are like, and even like the. Uh, the Fault in Our Stars. They travel to fucking like Germany and Europe, and they kiss in the end. Frank House. 
weird. Um, and also they did it in kind of a Harry yeah. Potter way because Nick Green used to, or he still, he still does like one of his 20 different nonprofits that he has. Uh, one of them is a record label that in the early 2000s only produced like Harry Potter themed alternative rock. Yes. Oh what was that called? It, is, like it was called rock? Wizard Rock, and there were several YouTubers um, that fell under Hank and John Green's merch nerd fighteria store um, that made which Wizard Rock. We're talking oh, Alex God. Day, Charlie is so cool, like um, British YouTubers um, back in the height of the <laughs> British YouTuber phenomena. Um, and we will talk about that more in, in part two, or maybe even God forbid part three, because it's a long, yeah, because those two, be those two we'll are, are, but two Hydra heads on the, on the fucking monster that is YouTube. Um, but basically like, I would say that, yeah, they, they forged like basically their own kind of fan base, uh, on a much more interactive scale and kind of solidified themselves as like granddaddies of YouTube, along with like Zay Frank and and people who then kind of moved uh, laterally from YouTube into digital content creator careers. Like Zay Frank became like lead video editor of BuzzFeed, and you know John and Hank have their own merch store that, um, like merch merchandising. Like what what would that be called? Like a like something that kind of creates merch for other creators. I always fucking forget the name of something like that, but it's like a basically like it, they they are a merchandising house. They have their own that creates con like uh, merch for other creators, such as like Lindsay Ellis and the McElroys and other mm -hmm. um, other white YouTube creators that you might have heard of that have um, all suffered from small beatification. Um, <laughs> they, they basically the they yeah, were oh yeah that's <laughs> they, the vlog brothers like launched in uh, January first uh, of two thousand seven. The premise of the vlog brothers as a channel initially started out as the two of them as brothers would cease all text based communication for like one year. Um, yeah, Ooh. and and like all like forms of like communication for one year, and instead just converse via video blog or vlog. Vlog is now like a, a universal term that most people know, um, but they were considered kind of like the first to really popularize vlogging in this kind of medium. One of the first, at least, um, along with people like Wheezy Waiter and stuff like that. I know a lot about YouTube. Anyway, <laughs> I'm very smart. Um, yeah, you are. Um, basically, uh, the project was made available publicly on YouTube. They could, um, they would do it every day. So like one day it would be Hank, the other day it would be John and they would just flip flop again and again. And they would basically just talk like, good morning, Hank, it's Wednesday. Good morning, John, it's Friday. Um, and they would basically just kind of talk about something that they were interested in that day. For Hank, it was mostly science. Yeah, and a lot of it was yeah. like topical. It was a lot of like topical stuff where they would be like exploring different um concepts in literature or be talking about different science things they were definitely trying to carve out like space where they were the two wolves and hank was like the stem wolf and uh john <laughs> was like <laughs> the the art and literature wolf if we relate this um, to abo and so it was you. just 
<laughs> okay, but if we were to relate this to ABO, I think that Hank would have to be the alpha and John is probably the What beta. if John is like the low key? Um, Tyler Oakley is the Oh, omega. oh, he's the omega. I would assume Tyler Oakley's like the sigma or like at least well, Sigmas aren't oh, in right. the ABO They're more universe. in the pickup artist universe. I always forget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, this series was like super popular. There was not a lot of vlogging that was happening at that time. It was like 2007, so um, really early in YouTube history. And it kind of shaped the format of vlogs in the future and so a lot of things after that were inspired by the vlog brothers even though they themselves were inspired by who is the person that you said z Zay frank. frank yeah um and they had a web show that definitely like played a role in their idea for this content but it um was initially supposed to be a year-long project but it became really popular they made the front page of youtube when uh, hank uploaded a video of himself <laughs> performing <laughs> an original harry potter fan song <laughs> i think at some point um we're going to have to play the tumbling on tumblr uh hank green song good morning john I wanted to make a really complicated video today, something that was just, like, awesome and epic, but I just, I just don't have time, and it's not even because I'm busy. It's just like... I've been way too busy to create, and I find it really hard to concentrate. While I'm searching for another score, that surge of dopamine, when I come across some awesome sauce while I'm glued to my screen. Tumbling down Tumblr, there's so much to see. I just installed Missing E. Yeah, and it, you know, it's it's so sad and cringe when I have to reflect on the whole world of Harry Potter um, music, but it's so much worse when I think about Hank's age in mm-hmm. all of this. He was not a child, and not only was he a Harry Potter fan, but he was such a fan that he established a startup dedicated around the idea of of producing more harry potter themed music um but you know it did it did launch them to the front page of youtube and the rest after that was history they have ever since then had a really dedicated following online that they they call them nerd fighters um yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> um, what they call them. It well, it doesn't suck according to them. It it in fact de- decreases. World suck. suck. It's world a very suck. um, it's a very Obama era concept. This idea of decreasing world suck. Oh, it's with interesting like, that you would mention Obama because they brought him on in yep. 2013. They still record, um, by the way. They still record Vlogbrothers. This isn't just like a defunct project. This is still going on. The last thing they made was like a day ago. Um, yeah, a day ago. Yeah. <laughs> the Vlogbrothers videos still come out like, I mean, not with the frequency that they were coming out with the first year because that was just supposed to be a self-contained project. But I believe that each one puts out one video a week and they still sort of do this thing where they're responding to each other. Since then, the the nerd fighter content universe has expanded to include like multiple podcasts. They have 
two different informative, like kind of Bill Nye um, ripoff uh, like YouTube shows that I, I imagine are um, getting shown in schools now. Mm-hmm. Uh, at like it's probably the thing that teachers wheel in on the TV when they don't, they think don't they feel wheel like in TVs anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Public schools are kind of underfunded. I would love to. I would love to see them like burning DVDs or like recording it on like a VHS tape. Here's a YouTube video and just putting it in. (laughs) You're right. I I didn't think about how they would get the the YouTube video (laughs) on the wheeled in TV. Um, But you know, regardless, they 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 make a lot of like subsidiary content now we've like really removed ourselves very far from the world of just john green's books and in the like mid 2000s uh early 2010s they also had a really massive presence on tumblr and so all of this kind of culminated in this very dedicated fan base um that, you know, Hank, thank you so much, Hank, did did us the favor of taking a census of self-described nerd fighters. And he does this every year. And that's that's so nice of him. Um, it really helps us out. Thanks, Hank. Will surprise and shock you. In the most recent year census, 61% of nerd fighters self-describe as female. Uh Uh, They also self-describe as introvert, which isn't a gender, but honestly, just as bad as being female. Um, They (laughs) were asked for their favorite podcast. So many answers were McElroy variations. Tragic. Um, I was kind of hoping for something like more out of left field. Like, wouldn't it be funny if they were all like Chapo listeners? Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, like a Venn diagram of people who are going around being like, don't forget to be awesome. And then Um, snort cocaine and fucking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what like the the Chapo one liners are, but I'd imagine that they're not nearly as earnest. Just saying slurs. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which ones? Oh, God. (laughs) No. Uh, (laughs) I don't want to. It's interesting. Um, 650 of them, of the, like, 6,000 people that took this this census, have PhDs, which really tells you all that you need to know about how much you should respect anyone that uh, makes a career for themselves in academia. And I think that the most... uh, interesting maybe unsurprising part is that 89 percent of them self-describe as white um (laughs) so and and they were they were especially in the like mid 2010s this huge presence online that had a lot of influence in the the way that youtube culture started being shaped in the way that it looked and i think that that can really be reflected in like the many many white creators that were part of i guess like the nerd fighteria universe um that they ended up putting on like lacy green who 
like we need to talk about her later in her own episode she's she is really one of the most foul examples of feminism um and sex positivity that the internet had to offer tyler oakley um lindsay ellis now is like she was part of the nerd fighteria universe and i believe that her videos are still produced by hank green some of the people that they put on the in the mid like 2010s um is Hannah Hart, Grace Helbig, um, Craig Benzine, like all people who were really, really big in that world at the time. Adults and also, getting drunk and making content for children, which I think is yeah. uh, kind well, of a scream. All white. Like yeah. they they really did help turn YouTube into this place that was just full of corny white people with very surface level liberal beliefs. Um, that, and, like, they, and they did this on purpose. They were very invested in creating this like massive web of YouTubers who were associated with their content. Um, they like very intentionally cultivated this extended universe and pretty much all of the people that they put on were like silly white liberals. And pe- the people they continue to put on are still in that vein. Yeah, and they're always like, um, at least in in the current vein that they are in, um, they're kind of like, they have certain points, I think, in their content where they almost overlap with uh, democratic socialist beliefs. And that automatically um, starts making people feel that they're a part of like some, you know, bigger overlap of leftist creators. And this is why Cerise often... (laughs) Like to correct me when we say that we're when I say that we're leftists because we're not we're communists and that's a yeah, big difference. We're not friends with John Green. No, Hank Green is not producing this podcast. <laughs> no, he's not. And I think he after this one, he definitely those. won't even yeah, bother yeah. to a fun email. Fact about Tyler Oakley, by mm-hmm. the way, is that he used to be a landlord, but and uh, <laughs> like friend of the pod (laughs) friend of the podcast extended universe uh twitter user degendering on uh twitter uh aka alex convinced them to read mal uh and he he is not a landlord anymore that is a real interaction that happened on twitter and shortly after that he denounced being a landlord I believe. So, that I Tyler, think that that's cool. I believe that Tyler specifically said "very interesting," which I think is incredibly yeah, like, funny. Hey, you should read this, <laughs> and he goes, "Oh, cool, very interesting." Kind of like now your mom when she like doesn't uh-huh. read the link that you sent her. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I feel like that gives you like a good sense of like the. I don't know, like, the kind of, like, culture that they were cultivating. Um, Oh, just a side note, okay, their little, like, website that um, is about nerd nerd fighters, nerd fighteria, I believe it used to have a forum. It did. Not sure if it still does. Um, It's moderated by volunteers, but guess what they call them? What? Ning Masters. Ning masters, ew! I hate them. These guys are like the—they are the the personified like soy faces. They—they <laughs> they are cryptids walking among us. Um, oh, the master. most important thing I feel like is that they started VidCon, 
They started yes. VidCon in 2010. So that mm-hmm. I feel like really like shows you what exactly they were trying to do. And it was like build a content empire. And why yes. were they doing this? Well, it was to decrease world suck <laughs> which is uh the name of one of hank's many many nonprofits, the foundation to decrease world suck um is the parent nonprofit of the project for awesome which is where their tagline don't forget to be awesome comes from which is a trademarked phrase um, so we will not be putting that on on merch, unfortunately. No. The maybe we'll put a project for awesome used to be called the Nerd Fighter Power Project for Awesome, um, and it's like basically this like kind of the a contest is I guess how I would describe it, mm-hmm. where they um, are encouraging YouTubers to make videos promoting their favorite charity. And then the video that gets the most views is going to get the most like donations from audience and the most like AdSense dollars. And that is the whole, that's the whole project for awesome. And it, it does decrease the amount of world suck in the world. I wonder if there are any videos that were created during this time for the Leela project. And I hope that it decreased some of the suck in the world. Yeah. Um, And I feel like this is like a really good like window into their very shallow political ideology Mm -hmm. where like, I don't know, like they they make this huge deal about wanting to, well, it's like vague, you know, like decrease the, the suck in the world. What does that mean? Or like increase the awesome so like these really like vague goals and then the means for it are just sort of like nothing burgers like very milk toast of like we're gonna get a bunch of views (laughs) and donate the views and donate the view money to your favorite charity it's very much like a like like it's one thing to just have like we have you know individuals online right who do like various twitch streams for charity but they haven't filed a 501c3 they're just kind of doing it on an individual basis whereas this is a this is a whole project this is a whole uh like company like <laughs> dedicated yeah, and, and I feel to like a certain a of- thing um whereas but it's so extremely vague that it almost feels and i'm not implying anything here but it almost feels like a tax shelter because of just how absolutely vague and like broad it is it kind of just feels like like you said it's a very shallow um ideal uh that i think almost well, the frustrating part is i feel like it comes from an oddly genuine place, at least in part that like, Oh, if we want to, we want to make it vague so that we can kind of do whatever, but then by doing whatever you do, nothing (laughs) like there's no like concrete examples of like what this like foundation to decrease world suck and like nerd fighter power project for awesome has functionally done outside of like a, a, a few charity streams, like some donations and some educational content um and that's kind of it um yeah i also feel like it's just pretty shamelessly promoting like self um 
aggrandizing where like mm-hmm. I think it's one thing to do a fundraising stream for like a friend's GoFundMe or for I mean even maybe like a community organization that is important to you but it's very reminiscent of when like the the protests were going on last summer and people would promote their only fans um, or their their twitch accounts or whatever other like content they were doing and then saying that the proceeds are going to be going to uh, like black lives matter the organization or something else like that and and ultimately you are raising your profile off the backs of this this other thing um and and in the case of the this challenge like the goal is to get the most views, but what happens to your YouTube channel when you get a video with millions of views? Like you get subscribers and you build an audience and this challenge is only meant to last 48 hours anyway. So the amount of money that can be generated to the charity of your choice is, you know, it's time limited and the larger reward is the audience that you build for yourself and also you get to be connected to the nerd the nerd fighter universe and get put on by john and hank um so i just i find that as a charitable goal to be really questionable because it it is ultimately about like finding more content creators for them to add to their universe and furthering those creators and their own bottom lines. Yeah, it's exactly. It's like there's a fundamental uh, like gap in like charity versus like clout and exactly like what like the long-term benefits of clout will give you can far exceed one single charity stream. Um, and it's, yeah. it's just very... Like I mean, it's it's critical levels of of neoliberalism that we're dealing with here. Oh, of- speaking of critical levels of neoliberalism, during the 2013 uh, Foundation to Decrease World Suck Project for Awesome live stream, they brought on Barack, The Rock, Hussein Obama, <laughs> um, and what did John Green use that opportunity to talk to him about? He asked him about pennies. He talked to him about abolishing oh pennies. I remember because that this. was his like yeah pet it- political cause, and I feel like that is also so demonstrative of like where they were politically that like. He was so fixated on and and is still fixated on there's multiple John Green videos about this subject that I did watch Mm -hmm. um, that it costs a little bit more to make a penny than it it does to have a penny. And so if this was solved, then then I guess we would have a little bit more fake money in the U.S. Treasury. And this issue was really important to him that during his opportunity to talk to the president of the United States, who at the moment was like drone bombing hospitals and weddings uh, all over the world. um, He was like, yeah, so let's let's get pennies. Let's talk pennies Pennies on the dollar. Obama Obama (laughs) fucking told him no. Obama said, (laughs) 
Sorry, bud. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to increase the amount of world suck. <laughs> and then John said, okay, uh, all right, I guess so. I concede. But thanks, Obama. Like, they get so excited. I've, I watched a few different clips from their live streams over the years about the Project for Awesome. And I think I agree with you that they're really genuine about thinking that this is like, this very cool thing. It is, of course, increasing their clout and like finding them more people for their content universe. But I like I genuinely don't know if they are aware of how actually cynical a project is, which I think might be worse. Like, it is. It's frustrating. <laughs> what it is, is like it's really frustrating um, because like I think like and I, I I'll say this in full disclosure. I I worked in the YouTube sphere for a while. I know several people who have worked with Hank Green, and I can say this as a testimony to what they have told me, okay? This is like, and I'm not saying their names because I, you know, I believe that they deserve a, a full amount of privacy and to disclose things that they want to disclose when they want to disclose them. There's absolutely nothing wrong with Hank fundamentally as a person, Um in a in a personable disagree. sense. No, I mean like I disagree. Mean, with his personality, except for the fact disagree. <laughs> except for the fact that what is what they find most frustrating about working with Hank, um, like on a personable one-to-one level, is that he doesn't seem to understand that he is a boss. He like fundamentally does not seem to understand that like when he puts people in certain positions, he's doing it as a boss. And he does not seem to realize that. And when he does, it like he suddenly has to change his whole worldview and make that into a business. That it's this constant snowballing of neoliberalism that seems like it comes from this genuine place of like, I want to fix things. I want to fix things. Let's fix it. Let's fix it. Let's fix it. But then never really understanding that the way he could critically fix it is not by starting another non-fucking profit. Like he just, it's it's been very frustrating for a lot of the people that I've talked to within his sphere that he doesn't quite understand um, how, like, like you said, like how cynical and how like, like sinister um, a lot of this stuff can like snowball into. He just kind of like, it happens. And then he goes, he dusts his hands off and goes, well, that failed. Let's try again, but tries the same thing over and over. He's just always reinventing the same wheel. um, And it's just incredibly frustrating to deal with as someone who is his employee. Um. <laughs> yeah, I would say, though, that there is something fundamentally wrong on a personality level with a grown adult oh. who's making Harry Potter music. <laughs> but putting that aside, I yeah, I think that he and John, like the reason that I wanted to quote the Californian ideology in the beginning is that they do have this very like Californian ideology approach to online where it becomes increasingly evident the more of their videos that you watch that they really do think that the internet, like on its own, and the communities that can come from it are inherently good. Well, I want to, I want to say liberatory, but I don't think that they want to liberate us from anything. So yeah, just maybe inherently Philanthropic. Good. Like they are inherently <laughs> decreasing the world side. Yeah. Um, but it's it, even that as a goal doesn't work when you don't have like a strong analysis of what the suck is that you want to decrease. And it's definitely evidence in the different charitable charitable pursuits that they have that they think that they can change the world for the better 
without having those defined ideas about like what better would mean. And I think as a result of that, like their downfall was inevitable. I mean, they still, of course, exist. They're still making content, but they did have a pretty uh, swift set of consequences that came in the form of a like a proto Me Too movement that happened mm-hmm. with Hank's record label, with some of the VidCon characters, and I think John's um, hmm, dethronement from his position of, of fun uncle. Uh, <laughs> of Funkle. We have uh, fun uncle on, on Tumblr. Also, that's right, folks. You heard it right. Hank also does have a record label. This is how you know he's truly like this, this like Walt Disney-esque character of the internet where he just has so many different like fingers and pies and they're all just like he didn't he definitely didn't wash any of those fingers um, before mm-hmm. leaving the bathroom. They're just absolutely in all of these pies are infected with pink eye. Um I don't want to smoke. I just want to smoke. I don't want to smoke. I just want to smoke. Yeah, so in our frustration with these brothers, we did a little a little look see into what exactly are their political beliefs Mm -hmm. because they can be kind of vague with all of their talk of increasing awesome and decreasing suck which by the way is it's so 2008 it is critical that is how people were talking back then like imagine going up to someone and telling them don't forget to be awesome and they're like yeah especially like swell day like now in it like in 2021 i think if you told anyone that even like the nicest lady in the world you could go up to this sweet old lady and be like, don't forget to be awesome. And I think she would cold clock you. <laughs> She'd be like, get the fuck away from me. I'd imagine that someone who says that to me has like a body pillow of Felicia Day uh, in their bedroom. <laughs> they still watch epic mealtime videos. <laughs> um so you know i think we we alluded to this earlier that it seems like they've kind of cultivated this like liberal left image for themselves but actually in the in the mechanical freak discord which you can join uh by giving them money um i read someone saying that they credited john green with turning them into a believer of market capitalism um, and that it took them years to unlearn that. And that's not their fault. No. Like, you know, we were all stupid on Tumblr at one point. Um, I was a, it, I it was a fan go, of his books, okay? Like, I'm totally... Yeah. We all had our moments. And especially but it made me want to go take a look at it, exactly what these people are saying about different economic systems, different political ideas, especially since um, both of them have put themselves in charge of, like, the work of historiography and I, I did look into it a little bit and their, their videos are pretty widely distributed in schools so these are people who are like doing the work of writing history and how we tell history to children um, or producing it like finding writers to do that because they don't do all of the writing themselves they do narrate all of it um, and and what are their beliefs exactly well, <laughs> they're they're not good. Nope. Um, Hank 
has a wonderful post called, hey, let's redefine capitalism. Part one, because there's there's three parts, maybe. So I'm going to just maybe read part one um, and we'll see how we feel about this, if we like it. Hello, my name is Hank Green and I am a capitalist. I didn't start out this way. I come from pretty radical stock. If you call my college self my stock, which you really shouldn't. Oh, so quirky, Hank. I used to believe that money was the root of all evil. I was wrong about that. I still hold many socialist values close to my heart. For example, I believe in sharing and cooperation and schools. I believe that advertising is dangerous and bad for the free market. I also believe that the amorality of corporations could potentially destroy all of the good things in the world. Oh, potentially. But nonetheless, <laughs> but nonetheless, <laughs> I am a capitalist. <laughs> Money lets value define itself. It creates a market where good products rise to the top and crappy ones disappear. It allows for a much more rapid mutation of our culture and technology, sometimes too rapid, but other times just fast enough. <laughs> the desire for money and the freedom that comes with it pushes people to work hard to create products and services that other people will enjoy. And it's all very self-controlling <laughs> with little need for external inputs. But there are also things that I hate about money. I hate how you need money to make money. I hate how rich people become socially isolated from poor people and thus become convinced that it's not extraordinarily immoral to buy a yacht when there are orphans dying of diarrhea. <laughs> I hate how rich people help rich people who help rich people, and no one gets to have any say beyond that. I hate that the average college student's parents is three times higher than the average dropout's parents' income. I hate how corporations excitedly make themselves slaves Ooh, interesting choice of words, to unfeeling stockholders who have no interest in thinking beyond the bottom line. I hate how corporations have many rights, but no conscience. I love the people that work at these companies, but I hate that they are encouraged to drive for efficiency and profit at the expense of everything else, including innovation, creativity, and community. And I hate how wealth and power concentrates itself so that the average person has no opportunity to be involved in this remarkable system beyond abstract mutual funds, CDs, and stock portfolios. Not only does the average person have no path to collect real wealth, but they also do not have any say in how these corporations, arguably the most important force in the world, treat their world. That's the thing I want to change. Continue tomorrow. So I think before we... Um, Dive into part two. I want to first say that I find it very funny that he's conflating capitalism with currency. Yeah. Uh, like that's the first thing that he's doing that's pretty funny is that he seems to think that capitalism is when you have money, which is what <laughs> what we say. <laughs> See, we, we're coming from a place of detached <laughs> irony. Say, <laughs> when we say it, we're doing jokes. Yeah. But he's saying that capitalism is when you have lots of money um, and when you have stuff. Seems also. like his entire uh, idea of capitalism has uh, entirely come from the song Money, Money, Money by ABBA. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. 
Well, and the the this like idea of socialist values, like mm-hmm. socialism is is really just when workers own the means of production and like things that come along with that are related to that first idea. So like he believes in sharing and cooperation and schools. I'm not sure if we can attribute schools <laughs> the concept of, of education to socialism. Um, and also he believes that advertising is bad for the free market, but also he says that he thinks that like capitalism is all very self-controlling with little need for external inputs, but then describes all of these things that come from like the lack of regulation on capitalism or just like the existence of capitalism itself. And all of the problems that he points out is like, issues with capitalism are very middle class to me. Mm-hmm. Like it's about, you know, a, a college dropout versus um, someone who finishes college. It's about how someone who is an average person only gets to have mutual funds, CDs and stock portfolios, which <laughs> I don't feel like is is a common experience for everyone. Um and I don't really think that this post is even that interesting in terms of like the beliefs that it espouses. A lot of people think that capitalism is just when you have money, but this is someone who's now in charge of writing curriculum, and at this point is like kind of being treated as a weird like sort of wizard that you can summon on TikTok to answer your different questions about history and society and science. Yeah, I mean, a common complaint you'll see from uh, people on TikTok, specifically, like, people within the field of, like, science or history or certain academic subjects, um, is that they will explain something from their expertise and then be in the comments, someone will be like at hank green can you confirm as if hank green is like the grand wizard cyclops third eye open knows everything about stem and history and english literature it's <laughs> it's just very insane it's also um and this is something that's like, like pretty common in both views you know i'm not you know entirely blind to the idea that people from the West have a very West-centric view of the world. I'm not like, you know, saying that I would expect these two to be incredibly knowledgeable about geopolitics, but their uh, their view of like what capitalism does is extremely West-centric and middle-class. And it's all just very much just centered around like it's not fair that some people have college debt and some people can't afford health care <laughs> and it has nothing no, no. like like um and and this is something i you know there's there's a specific video that i would like to bring up at some point um i think i, I can just bring it up now yeah um, yeah john green has a capitalism versus socialism video that is part of the crash course series which is kind of what led me to research a little bit more about their political beliefs because if like this is actually getting widely distributed mm-hmm. in american schools and so what they and it's have something to that say, like shows up when a student is like doing a paper on like capitalism and they look something up on YouTube. I mean, that's kind of the point of these videos, right? Even Google just like capitalism versus socialism. This is going to be one of the videos that pops up and it um, is going to be treated as a more neutral source than something like 
you know, like your turning points or your um, Prager U because these guys are like vaguely, you know, liberal, yeah. but they, they try to keep a, like a neutral tone to their videos. Which is very um, typical of Western educational like speak is that like, oh, we keep it neutral. Um, outside of like certain college curriculums, it's very, very frustratingly neutral um, in order to comply with certain like uh, either governmental codes or certain like, um, you know, like, like basically just uh, appealing to us to a very neutral point of view, because that um, is seen as like somehow more intellectual, because if you have like, Mm -hmm. you can have two sides of the same coin, and then just kind of decide which one you agree with. Um, And that anything that is like vaguely, like, the, anything that is like more than like even just vaguely left it would be considered propaganda um well, and isn't it really crazy making to think about how like we have these two buffoons <laughs> who are sentient soy faces um haunting our uh american school system and it all began with a harry potter themed <laughs> fan song to commemorate the release of a ter- deathly hallows of a terps book specifically like that's just yeah. so vile anyway but the the basically I'll, I'll summarize the video really quick um and you know i'm gonna be fair and balanced uh as much as i can be why <laughs> I, I'm well. All I'm going to say is like it is frustratingly neutral. It's also very snidely neutral. Um, the beginning starts off with once again, uh, John Green now saying like, "Oh, my college self was so left and so radical and so crazy." <laughs> like he he basically it starts off with Relatable. like I'll read the beginning because it it drives me crazy. Um, how- yeah, and I, I pulled some quotes from it as well. Um, hi, I'm John Green. This is Crash, Crash Course World History, and today we're going to talk about capitalism. And then it's him again, but he's in a t-shirt now, so you know he's like young. And he's like he's like a cool teacher. Yeah, he's, he's not like the regular teacher. Yeah, but now he's but now he's like a student because he's like got a t-shirt on. And he's in a desk, and he goes, "Yeah, Mr. Green, capitalism just turns men into wolves. Your purportedly free markets only make slaves of us all." Oh God, Stan, it's me from college, me from the past. I, I guess Stan is like this little robot thing he puts on his desk. So that's that's all you need to know what Stan is. Like a Funko Pop. Yeah. <laughs> but like He's got a Funko Pop that he talks to, and he's also talking to your children <laughs> yeah. in school yeah, right you know. now. <laughs> this is how your children are being educated. These teachers that are too are too hungover from the night before put on a crash course video and fall fucking asleep. They are wheeling in the TV. <laughs> Um, okay, so he's like, it's me from college. Me from my past has become me from college. This is a disaster. The reason he's so unbearable, Stan, is that he refuses to recognize the legitimacy of other people's narratives. And that means he will never be able to have a productive conversation with another human in his entire life. So listen, me from the past, I'm going to disappoint you by being too capitalist. And I'm going to disappoint a lot of other people by not being capitalist enough. And I'm going to disappoint the historian uh by not using enough jargon but what can i do we only have 12 minutes fortunately capitalism is all about efficiency okay 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 (laughs) so first of all (laughs) i mean this is it, it is just like a very common like i don't know fallacy that that people who believe in capitalism 
want to shares that capitalism is the only way to increase innovation, um, which is just like simply not true. <laughs> um, but I can just like, I don't know, you should like mark these moments to play like pieces from the, the thing because there's a part where he talks about, um, he says, but but how and to what extent we use socialist principles to regulate free markets remains as sort of the, the ending question for this video. Socialism has not succeeded in supplanting capitalism as its proponents had hoped. In the United States, at least, socialism has become something of a dirty word. So industrial capitalism certainly seems to have won out. And in terms of material well-being and access to goods and services for people around the world, that's probably a good thing. Oh, you keep falling over. You're a great bit, but a very flimsy one. Actually, come to think of it, you're more of an 8-bit. But how and to what extent we use socialist principles to regulate free markets? remains an open question, and one that is answered very differently in, say, Sweden than in the United States. And this, I would argue, is where Marx still matters. Is capitalist competition natural and good, or should there be systems in place to check it for the sake of our collective well-being? Should we band together to provide health care for the sick or pensions for the old? Should governments run businesses? And if so, which ones? The mail delivery business? The airport security business? The education business? Those are the places where industrial capitalism and socialism are still competing. And and in that sense, at least, the struggle continues. Thanks for watching. And I think that that was where I realized that um, before John Green is anything else, he's just kind of dumb. Uh, because there's no such thing as socialism mixed with capitalism. Regulating business under capitalism, which is what he's talking about, is not socialism. It's called regulated capitalism and it has been advocated by people like literally Adam Smith who is known as the father of capitalism like there are different uh, schools of thought for how capitalism should be executed just like there's different schools of thought for how socialism should be ex executed and one of them is that like capitalism should be more regulated so the idea of using socialist principles to regulate free markets is just really silly. And I think that that's what frustrates me about these videos and their beliefs is that, I mean, not only are like, do I disagree with them, but I can't even disagree with them just on an intellectual basis. Like they are making factually incorrect points and because they share all of this in this very like smug and neutral tone it gets passed off as factual and it does make me genuinely really frustrated that um they have contracts with different public schools yeah to share these videos yeah and that that's that's what's incredibly frustrating um another thing that really frustrated me while watching this video because yes i did watch all of it. Um, there's a part um, where specifically he's talking about child labor in terms of industrial capitalism and England and specifically how like child labor was legal and used very, very widely. Um, and he says, he says like, um, so this increased productivity also meant that fewer people needed to work in agriculture in order to feed the population. To put this in perspective, in 1520, 80% of the English population worked the land. By 1800, only 36% of adult male laborers were working in agriculture. And by 1850, 
that percentage had dropped to 25. This meant that when the factories started humming, there were plenty of workers to hum along with them, especially child laborers. Wah, 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 child labor. Everything was great except for the child labor. He refers to child oh, really? labor as if it's like in the past tense and never refers to child labor as it exists now today, which I think as much as I would like to believe that this, you know, dum-dum doesn't know um, that child labor is still around and existing, um, just not here in the US or in, you know, England with the British, um, it's very much still widely used and <laughs> widely dis distributed. And um, that's something that's like, uh, it's a pretty well-known fact, at least now. Um, and I think to, to not include that in your video that you're giving to children, um, I think is really, really um, just factually dishonest and really kind of fucking vile. Um, well, before we even get to the existence of modern child labor and honestly modern slavery that like takes place in order to sustain capitalism, um, the, these guys do a lot of hemming and hawing in their videos. In Hank's video where he talks about um, the nerd fighter census, he is a little bit shocked and sad to see that they are 89% white. But it's exactly these sort of things that show me that they are catering to a white audience, even if they are not doing it intentionally. Because if you were being honest, um, yeah, we can connect the birth of capitalism to the end of feudalism, but you can't talk about the beginning of capitalism without also talking about chattel slavery. And at no point is that mentioned in this video. Nope. Even if you think that capitalism is an awesome system, um, you should, should then be able to say that this is where it came from, but something good came out of it, but instead it is just totally swept under the rug. And um, sure, it's content for children, but they have other videos on American slavery and the transatlantic slave trade in their history series. So they've found a way to make it child appropriate and honestly, like, I don't think I care anyway about <laughs> whether or not that, like, the subject is child appropriate, but just that that is not an excuse that they could use because they have found a way to include that topic in their other videos. Um, but it's, it's just this combination of being so smarmy and then also wrong. I mean, um, even widening out, um, like, let, let's talk about just like the concept of the channel, Crash Course, right? These are meant to be videos that are meant to be crib notes about historical concepts and historical events. Um, and to include capitalism and socialism as a crib note and then get all smug and high horsed in your video about how like it's actually a good thing and blah 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 there are some good parts and some bad parts just like everything else in history like there's no objective truth let me explain you a thing yeah it's very it, it's just listen it, up chuckle it all stems from the buckle up frick fracks industry <laughs> i will continue till the day i die to say that buckle up is the worst phrase in the english language and it has contributed to much, much more falsehood than anything I've ever seen. Um, it's just incredibly frustrating um, that, you know, you're talking about, you know, 
England and France. And then <laughs> this one quote, so socialism as an intellectual construct began in France. How do I, how'd I do Stan mm, in the border between England and Libya, Egypt and Libya? Oh, that's not funny. <laughs> it's not Shut funny. It's fuck not up. cute. It's fucking. It's fucking aggravating. It's fucking wildly insensitive. And the fact oh, that you're talking about England, I don't know where Libya is. Wait, to be like, I don't know where Libya is right now. Right now, when there are open air slave markets in Libya, hmm. It's it's oh, just I don't know, John. I don't know. I don't know. It's a good to, look for you to Doesn't talk make about you look that smart. To talk about England and France and capitalism and not even dare to mention once the word colonialism in here is incredibly just blind and dumb. And the fact that this video has probably been shown at some point to a child. Uh, makes me upset. To many, to children, many children. To your children. To your children. <laughs> your children are I, being I think that, like green. It is not. It is not that these guys are silly or incorrect educators. Because if that was a thing that I wanted to dedicate my time to, then we could like debunk every single PragerU video. It is more that. These people spent the past decade building up as much goodwill as they could possibly muster on the idea that they were vaguely progressive and that they cared about, um, you know, people of color and LGBT rights and women. John Green loved talking about how he was a feminist. Oh, especially on Tumblr. Oh yeah, Big time. I mean, his idea of feminism is saying that that girls should date the nerds that they go to high school with if they want <laughs> boys to be nice to them. But regardless, they have made their platforms on the backs of caring about these things. They have used that money to create these like massive media empires that are getting these huge contracts where they're then sending their videos out to different public schools. They are being promoted by YouTube because YouTube is really excited about like having family friendly content that they don't have to worry is going to David Dobrik itself at some point. Um, and then they use it, what could have been an opportunity to like genuinely educate people. And it is really just like repackaged PragerU. Um, because <laughs> I mean, it, it's just as dishonest as PragerU videos are. Um, it's just as poorly researched and the citations are just as poor. It's just not as, uh, obviously ideological. And that's only because like the center doesn't seem like it's ideological, but it still is regardless of whether or not it seems that way. I mean, as, as Althusser says, there's no such thing as being outside of ideology. And, and okay, Hank Green, Hank Green, this man, he thinks that he can hide from me. <laughs> he thinks that I <laughs> will not find his problematic posts, but I can find them. I will, I will look and I will find them and he can never hide. And he had some things to say on the topic of uh, both Gamergate and Ferguson, <laughs> thank you so much, Hank, Hank Green, for sharing with us your thoughts on this topic. So it begins with the title, On Anger and Activism. 
He says, change isn't made through righteous indignation, condemnation, and anger, which is what I am full of right now. It is made through understanding and broad cultural change. Was the thing that I said, not only says change is made through change, an entirely useless statement clearly stemming from a lack of proofreading, it also indicates that anger and frustration has no place in activism, which historically is the opposite of true. Anger and frustration are extremely important fuels for change. Movements must grow, and being angry because of injustice is absolutely fantastic. However, thanks, Hank. However, there are some there are some problems with anger. It is a fuel, not a tool. When <laughs> anger is used as a tool, it tends to spark more anger in the opposition, making it a fuel for them. That is especially true when anger is converted to hatred, which as anyone as, who is a human should know, is a very small step that only escalates and entrenches the sides, pitting people against each other, creating strong identities in large groups of people based on opposing outgroups. That's how wars get started. I've watched that happen over and over again, and the unchecked fear anger, hatred of Fox News viewership is a fate that I would very much like to avoid. Anger is also exhausting. It is a hot fuel, but without constant upkeep. I have found that it leads to depression and hopelessness. It is not a pleasant way to feel. And I think activism should be difficult, but if it drains you, it is not sustainable. Anger feels a lot of intelligent activism especially when it is combined with other fuels like love and knowledge. It's most potent when combined with sociology and an understanding of how cultural change functions, which is something I would like to do more research on. In the end, of course, you can't control these things. When there's too much of it, anger will burn completely uncontrolled. The police seem to fully expect that the grand jury will not indict Darren Wilson and that the resulting anger could easily turn into a peaceful protest, uh, turn a peaceful protest into a riot that spreads from Ferguson to St. Louis. And if that happens, the anger fueling it will be absolutely justified, but it will not be a force for change. Anger will become the tool when it should become the fuel. So that's his... His uh, Ferguson response. His Gamergate response is next. Um, I just want to say <laughs> he's just trying to cover a wide swath of the, topics. The, the idea of uh, the vaguely like Christian and yet also like elementary school rhyme of fuel is not a tool is driving me absolutely <laughs> up a wall. <laughs> Well, the, like, the whole like hate only begets more <laughs> gay hate like <laughs> is it's intentionally obscuring like who is hated and who is doing the hating they're not equal sides in this one of the sides is cops um the other side is a community grieving over a like murdered young man um I don't know why, again, this like sentient soy face of a man decided that he well, needed to weigh in. But weigh in, <laughs> I, I just did. feel like and these people, this- um, specifically these like people who like kind of build their platform off of like progressivism, vague progressivism, and like, you know, being like women have rights, they suddenly feel like they are expected and should. 
uh, talk about every social issue under the sun because they are qualified to now because suddenly they have an audience of women and white people who have told them that like they are like a speaker of truth. I guess, you know, it's this, it's this branding mm-hmm. that they become yeah, deluded and There by. was totally this problem that kind of did lead to John's like ultimate ousting on Tumblr that they felt like they needed to weigh in on everything because they had kind of reached this point of oversaturation where they were so widely respected as thinkers for God knows what reason. Um, but they didn't have the self-awareness to realize that sometimes they were not, if not every time, like they were not qualified to weigh in on topics. And it's really this like hubris that I think is what led to the switch that happened almost immediately from John Green's like status of being widely beloved to just being like widely reviled but i need to read his take on gamergate (laughs) which is so angela nagel i wonder if he collaborated and i just want to say like gamergate is something Um, we're both very passionate about and know a lot about um so this should be incredibly frustrating for both of us yeah, well, it's vague. It doesn't. It doesn't talk about mm-hmm. like Zoe Quinn at all. Cool. Like it's. It's just about like how to, well, how to bring bring people that you disagree with bring over to your table. side, which is certainly certainly a way of framing things. But he says pretty much what I try to communicate to the many activists I see who think that busting out ad hominems and throwing anybody, everybody who expresses the slightest hint of lightly unconscious socialized sexism into the woman-hating MRA bastard scum of the earth box is going to make any good social change happen, which it's not. All it's going to do is get other feminists nodding their head, drag away people who might have been interested in joining the good uh, the side of good social progress by convincing them that feminism is about hating men which it's not, and further entrenching active opponents and giving them small proof that their opposition is valid. Also important, busting out phrases and concepts with inherently difficult or alien meanings and logic and expecting every lay person outside of feminism to understand it is dumb and doesn't help the cause one bit. If you're going to try to talk to someone online and use phrases and concepts that they might not understand or are very easy to misinterpret, calling someone a misogynist for expressing a slight sexist opinion which they will interpret as you dropping the ad hominem they hate with everything they have with every woman on the planet, including their mother, (laughs) because that's what the dictionary says, then you don't get to be surprised or confused when that person takes offense. Remember that the people we need to be talking to and convincing with our public-facing feminist discourse who are not are those who are not familiar with the concepts and terminology of feminism. They haven't been through the discourse any of us have been through. They will not understand if you talk to them in the way that you talk to other feminists. And they will go and find an MRA group to hang out with if you call them shitheads and women haters okay off the bat. couple things um, <laughs> i need to i i have yeah i, have I do too thoughts. um hey 
So first of all, feminism is about hating (laughs) men. Um, It always has been and will continue to be. And that's good. And that's the only kind of feminism that I want to be on board with. I just think it is so, so funny that this man thought that he could lecture people about what feminism is or isn't. Even Can I make an analysis? Like, <laughs> like when do you when do you get to define what feminism is? Can I make an analysis? As a I think you know what we Go we've ahead. talked a lot about Hank in terms of his branding as like a nerd man. Ooh, he was so nerdy in high school. Now he's a nerdy adult, and he's like he's happy now that he's nerdy. And it's like this, it's like this. It comes from this place of like it almost is like it gets better for the straight white nerdy man. (laughs) Like that's kind of his branding. Mm -hmm. And it almost seems like this stems from the same place of like, if you isolate nerds and bully nerds and incels from like joining your little group, then like all of a sudden they're going to be radicalized. Whereas like, it's a very perpetually online idea that is still kind of stemming today with like a lot of people being like, just bring in the Nazis, just talk to them. Like, it's one thing to like, I think we both have this feeling of like, we should at least understand how people get radicalized in order to just understand the tools that are, that like are going on the machine that is working towards it. But it's another thing to assume that these people are like, are ev- are everyone that the Joe Schmoes of the world are all just going going to be like immediately radicalized if some lady tells him like you're a pervert or like get out of here pig, like <laughs> yeah. Like before we even talk about the efficacy of like de-radicalization, like how well that works. Or if you need to be being nice to these people, you have to think like, okay, how many of them are there? And (laughs) it is not that many people. Um, And the idea that being unkind to someone is going to switch a flip flip in their head um, and it's going to turn them into an MRA is really like out of line with reality. I was saying this earlier, but, you know, despite being a Jewish person, like I still get called an anti-Semite all the time for supporting Palestinian liberation. And there's no amount of people calling me that, that is then going to make me go, oh, damn, like time for me to just start hating Jewish people since that's what you think I am anyway. Like the average person is not going to be pushed into a place of extreme hate unless they had those underlying ideas already. I also am really frustrated with something that I see often in, in the world, but this like inherent condescension that's happening in this post by Hank where he assumes that the the lay person whatever that means is not going to understand terms and is going to be so confused that it's just going to it's just going to so turn them into so an mad like, that they don't understand you like <laughs> words like bourgeoisie or like feminism well, you throw yeah. the word patriarchy at them you throw the word patriarchy at them or gender performance and they're like oh, i'm so oh, angry um, i gotta go on reddit and i have to i gotta subscribe i'm so to angry that like... i don't have a dictionary in my hand that i have to go subscribe to ben shapiro <laughs> like it just makes no fucking sense i like 
am I like a I was raised in a working class environment I have had like normal people jobs my whole life with other normal people there I have had the same interests that I've always had when I talk about things that I'm interested in and people don't understand me the most common response I get is uh what does that mean? <laughs> usually, <laughs> and then and then you can have a conversation. What does that mean? Usually it. implies natural very... curiosity and not blind anger at the fact that you like use the big word. <laughs> I do get a lot of people online. You know, it's a. It, I think it's because he perpetually lives online, and as someone who now has a TikTok following, I. <laughs> Um, I have dealt with people who have called me a snob automatically because I use, you know, words like purvey or, you know, like, um, you know, just like fucking, like, if I use a big word that's, that immediately assumes to people that I am condescending, but that is something I know that is just perpetually online and that eventually you start to realize when you log off and touch grass that there are plenty of people who are just pretty willing to hear what you have to say because it's natural and polite to just ask people questions in conversation. Like if I just talk to somebody at like a bar, they're not going to immediately go like, what is that? Ugh, I hate this. And then log on to youtube.com right in front of me and like start watching Joe Rogan. (laughs) Yeah, I think that like there's, there is this like mm, section of people who are mainly online and do exist in this sort of like nebulous, like liberal left sphere who are really invested in the idea that being mean to people is going to turn them into bigots and uh is not true and also their idea of what being mean to someone is is like (laughs) using big words and i think really does like imply um like a lot of like a superiority complex, I think, over whatever their idea of a working class person is. And it's like, I I really do want to ask the people of the internet what they think working class means, because I think that they do think it's like a man, like a white man from the (laughs) 1890s who lives in like tenement style housing and works in a factory and is like super... Super racist also. Like anything that you say is just going to like trigger and activate extreme racism. So you have to speak to him really softly in order to not do that. Kind of, or kind like, of a, like a troll where if you use like the right magic words, then you can get or like them a to really come nervous dog. But if you say just the wrong thing, like you are going to trigger them into like extreme. Or like a like, really nervous stray dog that like will start biting and growling if you mm-hmm. get too close or speak at too high of a volume. <laughs> like just yeah, and I I get that a lot of rich people, which Hank Green oh, certainly yeah. is, he loves to tweet like about it. <laughs> typically, are have like you know massive superiority complexes and assume that they are more intelligent than people who have less money than them. But the fact that six hundred fifty self described nerd fighters have PhDs tells you all that you need to know about who is smart and who is not. I think they, what's weird um, about about people like yeah. Hank is that they also have this, like, they have a superiority complex, and yet, like, because they think they're the all-knower of, like, what will end up... 
And he literally yeah. can't define capitalism. He thinks capitalism is think currency. They also have like an imposter syndrome. Hank loves to tweet about how he struggles with being wealthy. Like the idea of it. That he's so conscious. Good. Of like, oh, oh my God. I'm so, I'm so Good. rich. What do I do with being rich? Oh my God. <laughs> oh yeah. He put something to that uh, on, or on that subject in his <laughs> census response because um, the census is pretty funny because half of it is pretty obviously like market research. One of the questions was like, do you own a soda stream? <laughs> do I own the pro-Israel soda stream? No, I do not. <laughs> but one of the others is like, how much money do you have? Which I think is a really funny question to ask your audience of people that you're trying to sell stuff to. Um <laughs> But there's, he says that the percentage of people who are self-describing as making 75000 to 150000 um, has gone up from 3 to 7%. And he goes, so um, glad to see people succeeding out there. Make sure that we take care of each other and try to decrease, in, uh, decrease suffering and all that um, as good things happen to us. But remember that still uh, the vast majority of people are further down in, in this range in the community. But also, I think internationally and nationally so that's a thing to know i think i think when we uh when we launch our merch absolutely when we launch our merch uh we should ask all of our viewers um what their take-home pay is i think that would be a really useful (laughs) metric for us that's already in our patreon tiers um i've told people to to self-assign where they're supposed to be by what what class background they have so you know, we have a middle class tier. Assigned middle class at birth. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a real thing, right? <laughs> but I don't want smoke. I just want to smoke. I don't want smoke. I just want to smoke. Okay, so that was that was John Green. That was Hank Green. We we mostly talked about Hank Green because he's murders, but we're gonna be talking a little bit more about the two of them in our next episode because they created yes. this empire. We've we've set the scene. What happens with this I think, empire? I think we need to. Well, some people do blackface. Some people mm-hmm. get sexually assaulted. And some people are Shane Dawson. And I guess that means that they're doing both. And some people tell us about their favorite flavor of genitalia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So at the point where we're at, we have gone from fevered hero worship to complete revulsion and distrust within a space of just a few years, which honestly, neither is really deserved by these two men because they're nothing they are the intellectual equivalent of nutrient-enriched wonder bread. But in order to close us off, we're going to bring ourselves to our ending point for part one, which does mark the end of a certain era for the Vlog Brothers. Kendall, what's your favorite taste? Cock is one of my favorite tastes. Not only that, but balls smell amazing. It makes me go a little crazy on it, to be honest. Like I cannot get it far enough down my throat to be satisfied. 
I am only satisfied when I feel those intense, powerful, salty, hot pumps of cum down my throat. When I sit back on my heels, look up at you with cum all over my mouth and slobber running down my neck, hair all fucked up and wipe my mouth with the back of my arm and ask you if I did a good job and you cannot even speak because I've drained you of all I fuck. Hold on. Cock is one of my favorite tastes. Not only that, but balls smell amazing. It makes me go a little crazy on it, to be honest. Like I cannot get it far enough down my throat to be satisfied. I'm only satisfied when I feel those intense, powerful, salty, hot pumps of cum down my throat. When I sit on the back of my heels, look up at you with cum all over my mouth that slobber running down my neck, hair all fucked up, and wipe my mouth with the back of my arm and ask you if I did a good job, and you cannot even speak because I've drained you of all your energy out of the tip of your dick, that is when I'm satisfied. John Green, you nasty as hell, shut the fuck up. Sweetie, you are literally so out of line, it's fucking unbelievable. I could drag you so hard right now, but I know you'll just end up crying. I've roasted you before and you know it. Chances are you'll just say I bullied you because you're gay and have different skin. Talk shit, get hit. You don't want to mess with me, kiddo. I've got a black belt. I know threats are fucked up, but that's all I've been receiving all day, probably from her royal hood rat Olive and all of her nasty friends. But you can gang up on me and make fun of me for being goth all you want. I've been hurt a lot. My first boyfriend cheated on me. My dad screams if I forget to do my chores. There are some days I don't even want to get out of bed in the morning. I'm a jaded teenage girl. I've been through shit that you wouldn't even dream of. You think your life is hard? Try asking the cutest guy in your grade out in the middle of the cafeteria, only to find out he has a fucking girlfriend. You don't know my life or my story, so keep my name out of your nasty mouth. Life is a battlefield, and it looks like I've already won. I don't want smoke, I just want smoke. Cock is one of my favorite tastes. I don't want smoke, I just want smoke. When I hit the pipe, I'm like Walter White. Not only that, the balls smell amazing. Yeah, I like green because it makes me lean. And I smoke high because I'm blowing clouds. When I hit the then it's time to smoke. There are dangerous people. Like, I cannot get it far enough down my throat to be satisfied. I don't want smoke. I'm only satisfied when I feel those intense, powerful, salty, hot pumps of cum down my throat. I just want smoke. This is a certified Big Soy Naturals classic.